This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Brother Man. Did, yeah, so um, did you stay up last week? This first Sunday of the new year, yeah. did you welcome in the new year? I welcome in the new year at 9 o'clock, yeah. Okay, no, so yeah. you didn't really welcome <laughs> yeah, in the it was, new year. It was here. It was in New York, yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. I didn't even make it till 9 o'clock, I don't think, you know, so I'm, how many welcomed in the new year in the real way, right? So like you stayed up till midnight. Did you really? We need to give you a hand. I mean, really, seriously. How many did the 9 o'clock thing like Mario did? How many even failed in the 9 o'clock thing like I did? Anybody there? You know, it's like, I don't know. It's like, whatever, you know, so, I, you know, I just, I guess we just went to bed or something. We, we, were, we were tired. How many traveled? during the new year, the holiday, really? Okay, not on New Year's Day, but during the holiday season, you did some traveling. Okay, yeah, yeah, some, some of us did, and Jen and I did. In fact, man, my heart last week was a great week. Mario delivered the goods and was joined with Jamie uh, last Sunday, and so Jen and I were, were, were away. Um, but let me ask you a question. When you travel like we do, I, I like the back roads, so I'll talk about that in, in, in just a moment. I don't like the freeway so much, but when you're traveling, um, let me ask you a question. Do you go to somebody for directions or something for, for directions? That's, that's kind of the question. Who or what is your go-to when you're seeking directions? So how many call somebody to ask the way? Anyone do that anymore? Okay. How many remember the days when you had to pull into a gas station and ask directions? Okay, yes, I, I do too. And uh, how many, like, I would go to the car, get all the directions, go to the car, and Jen would say, what did he say? And go, like, well, I'm not sure. You know, I think we go this way. You know, so you've been there, done that. Anybody? Right? How many, um, you, you have a mobile app you bring up? Right? Right? How many don't ask directions? You just drive. Sometimes that, 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 that's my story. Jen and I were, were traveling um, to Cannon Beach because we like to go to Cannon Beach. And uh, so we were head, heading down there. Now, like I said, I, I'm not the highway guy. I don't like the freeway necessarily. So if I, if I can avoid the freeway, I do. And so I like taking the, the back roads. And so I always have to have some help kind of navigating the right turns, getting off the right, right road and, and all that kind of thing. But once I get close to that big, long Astoria Bridge, I'm pretty good. We got down to, the, to where you take a left or right, and we took a left because I know that's the way to go. And literally, we traveled... 10 miles at least down the road when we were getting close to the bridge and the road was blocked off. Um, it was completely unexpected. There were no signs warning, warning people. There were no directional signs warning people to go. And there you couldn't go any further. And I wasn't the only car turning around. And I'm going, I told Jim, like, what, what's the deal? Like, it's going to take us another hour because we're going to have to go back to the freeway, you know, and, 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 and find our, our way. Um, last week when we traveled to Yakima, um, I experienced something I don't recall um, ever on that trip. My son lives over there, my youngest son, pastors a church over there, and we were coming back, and all of a sudden there were these fog warnings, like those big DOT signs said, be cautious, thick fog, and sure enough, we would drive in and out of thick fog. Now, when, when you're in thick fog and you really can't see where you're going, what do you do? Slow down. Does someone say slow down? That's a good thing. Um, how about the fog? And the fog line, right? Yes? 
you kind of follow the line, uh, the, the, the fog line. I, I was in California, and there's this thing called Tule fog. Everybody heard of that? I know, Lisa, you have. How many have heard of Tule fog? Okay, like some of you, have you experienced it? We were told, be careful for this fog because it is so, so thick um, that you, sometimes you can't see in front of your car. And there's only one way to navigate, and that's to watch that line, and it will guide you off the freeway. And for sure, don't stop on, on the freeway. Because if you do, you know, you, you could cause, cause an accident. There are all kinds of things. It helps to guide us and to guide you when the, the way forward is really kind of hard to understand. By the way, that trip to Cannon Beach, I drew right past a sign that said, don't go left, go right. And had I paid attention to the sign that was trying to give me direction, we would have avoided this long, the long detour. If there was ever a time when followers of Jesus, that's you and that's me and you're at home and welcome to tradition, sitting over, thanks for joining us today. If there was ever a time when followers of Jesus needed to be guided, it's now. If there was ever a time when a Bible-believing church needed guidance, it's now. Do you agree with that? Because there are things out there in the world going on and taking place, and it might, might seem a little foggy if that's the way you would describe it. may feel like a little hard to un understand. We don't know what the next day is necessarily going to hold. You hear all kinds of predictions. Here's some of them. Financial experts warning of the biggest crash coming. Have you read that? I don't know. You know, some say yes, some say no. We know that there's huge unrest in the world. All you got to do is watch the news, turn on the news, and there's something else happening in, in the world. We don't know what the next day is going to hold. Foggy might be a really good word to describe it. There's a persecution of Christians and Jews that is escalating. You reading about that? All around the world. And then I have good news for you. It's not going to get better. It's not going to get better. If there was ever a time in our lifetime when we need the truth of the Word and the guidance of the Word, it's now. We're talking about the Bible. If there was ever a time when followers of Jesus need to be known for who we are, who leads us, and who guides us, who do we go to for direction in life, it's, it's now. People know who you are by what you are. So the series that we're, that we're launching today is all about DNA. Now, not, not your personal um, DNA, but here it is right here. We're talking about your Jesus DNA. Who are you and who am I? And we're going to be talking about what it looks like in the next number of, of, of weeks to, to live out your Jesus DNA. What's it look like to live this life out in front of others? Now, your physical appearance stands out um, because of who you are. Like I inherited my mother's DNA, right? So I inherited white hair. So I, I, you know, my hair turned white very, very early in life. And then I, then I start reading, well, you know, what's the deal? Well, it's probably from your mother, you know, who turned white very early in life. I was holding my hands in a certain way, and though I never knew my dad, um, my sister says to me, you know, that's what your dad used to do. I'm like, really? Yeah, would 
to hold his hands like that. There's, there's certain parts of us that, 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 that are characteristics that we carry because of, of who we are. Like our physical appearance stands out, the question that we're probing today, does our Jesus DNA stand out for others to see? So this series is about our DNA as the faith community and our DNA as followers of Jesus. What stands out to others? What characteristics um, do you carry that others will go, oh yeah, oh yeah, I know who you are. I know who you are. That's what we're going to be talking about over the next number of weeks. You see, part of our Jesus DNA and what we're known for and what needs to stand out in the world today is this, that we are people of the Word. We are people of the Bible. Can you say it with me? People of the Bible. People of the Word, the truth. It might go like this. You're a Bible freak. You believe in the Bible, and our response is, because that's who we are. We are people of the word. We, are, we carry that characteristic of who Jesus is and his word in our life. The Bible provides all we need as individual followers and as a church. Remember I asked you that question. Who do you go to when you need direction? Who do you go to when this, the way seems really, really foggy? Who do you go to for day-to-day living? The Bible provides all we need as individual followers and as a church. This is a simple truth behind 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All Scripture, everybody say all. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We could say it this way. We could paraphrase it this way. The, the Word of God, the inspired Word of God, is profitable for helping us throughout all of life. It teaches us. Sometimes it corrects us. It says, don't go this way, go this way. It's training in righteousness that we would be equipped for every good work. There are two truths I want to point out of this as we become and live out people of the word. That characteristic that I pray that the world sees in you and me. When we talk about the world, we talk about your friends, we're talking about your group, we're talking about the people that you work with, the people you do life with, and your neighbors. There are two truths that stand out from uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. Number one, the Bible equips you for all of life. All of life. Everything in life. You're learning parenting. The Bible equips you for that. You're learning how to navigate later years in life like some are. The Bible equips you for that. You're kind of wondering what's going to happen in the world tomorrow. Lots of, lots of predictions. Guess what? The Bible equips you for, for that and to face that. The Bible equips us for all of life. That word equipped is interesting. And, and probably it's, it's, it's um, not hard. To define, but it means that you make someone completely adequate or sufficient for something. You make, you make something or someone completely adequate or, or sufficient for something. To make adequate, to furnish completely, to cause to be fully qualified. Adequacy. That's what the Bible does for you and me. No parent here, you have never have or you never would, send your, your student out. They say that this week we're going to experience some cold weather, right? No, like, like in the teens, something like that. There is no parent that would send their kids out in shorts and t-shirt. 
Now, I know that we see kids in shorts and t-shirts, right? Well, I get that. I get that. But no parent, I mean, most of us are going to like, you're, you're, not, you, you're not equipped for the, for the cold, cold weather. The Bible equips us. This is what the Bible does. It provides all we need for the work and life in front of us. Paul is stating to Timothy here, and by extension you and me, that God will supply all that you need regardless of the challenges to come. So you're worried about tomorrow? Guess what? Look, the Bible will guide you. Um, you, you you're worried about you know, what's going to take place this year in your personal, personal life, your relationships? Guess what? The Bible will guide you. Parents, you're kind of concerned about your kids. Guess what? The Bible will guide you. The Bible equips us for everything in, in all of life. It might get a little foggy. It might get to the point where we can't really see what's ahead, but not to worry because the Bible provides all that we need. Secondly, second truth, we need the correction and guidance and teaching of the Bible every day. I'll say it again. We need, I need, you need, we need the correction, the guidance, and the teaching of the Bible every day. Would you agree with that? We do. Why? Because we're humans. We're people. We're humans. God understood the humanity of the Israelites, and maybe you, you've been there, and he did something that, humanly speaking, did not seem correct, but God knows you and me. And I was reading in my Bible devotions uh, this past week of God leading the Israelites out of the Exodus, and, and in verse number 17 uh, through 22 of Exodus chapter 13, he does something because God knows humans. When Pharaoh let the people go, when he finally got to that point, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And I thought about that. I thought, you know, about humans, we go like, well, this, this way doesn't seem right. This way, this, this doesn't, doesn't seem right. Right. But God, knowing humans, said, no, this is the way that we got to go because God knows what's in the future. God knows exactly what's, what's ahead of us, so God chose a different route. God knew, so he led in a different way. So what does all this mean? Well, two things. Number one, there is a right way and there is a wrong way. And that is true when you're driving and navigating life. And that is true in all of life. There is a right way and there is a wrong way and the wrong way leads to death. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. This way would have seemed right to the Israelites. They would have chosen this way, but that's, that's not the right way to go. And so God says, I'm gonna lead you in a way that you may not have chosen. But I'm choosing this way for you. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And number two, why does it matter? Because relative truth is no truth at all. Now I'm going to say it again because we need to hang on to this one. Relative truth is no truth at all. People of the word are known to live by the truth of the word. The truth of the Bible. And some of us will go like, well, I don't like what the Bible says about that. So? 
How many of us will admit that you don't like everything that you read in the Bible? Raise your hand because my hand is up. Like, so, right, we're all there, right? I don't like everything the Bible says. I mean, you know, I don't like God, you want to go this way, but I want to go this way. I want to handle conflict this way, but you say this way. I don't like this way because my human nature wants to do it my own way. There's a white way and there's a wrong way, and relative truth, relative truth is no truth at all. When the person declares that truth is relative, what he or she is saying is that there is no absolute truth. And we're living in that time today. There are things that appear true to you. I want to go this way, but they're not, they're not true to me. If I don't believe it, then it's not true. Have you heard that kind of stuff? Statements like this are often followed by something that you've heard. My, my heart just doesn't believe that or want to go there. Heart. And, and what we must understand is though that's kind of an in, interesting cliche, it's not biblically supported. Follow your heart is not a biblically supported position and will become the foundation of your own truth that will lead you away from biblical truth. But it's just how I feel. My heart. Well, okay. But what if your feelings deny facts? What if my feelings tell me that I can fly or deny gravity? What about that? That ain't going to work. Those feelings aren't supported by a fact that you cannot fly. And gravity, that's, that's a fact we can't deny. In the, in the noise of the world that is growing and will continue to grow this next year, and it's why we're talking about these things now. There are many calls to follow your heart, and I'm appealing to you to reject those calls. Because that will lead you away from the biblical truth. That will lead you away from being a person of the of people of the Bible, people of the Word. There are many individuals and churches, by the way, that are stepping away from the truth of the Bible and following their heart. Social constructionism is a theory of sociology and social ontology that teaches that there are certain kinds of facts which rather than depending upon the physical reality, instead depend on shared ways of thinking. Do you see the problem with that? That's why we're talking about this very first Sunday. It's like we have to be people of the word, biblical truth. We see this happening, this social constructionism happening with the truth of the Bible, as well as, as we allow our human thinking to determine truth. We're seeing it happen. How do we guard against this? It's following our heart or let's like whatever we determine to be true. Well, rather than following your own heart that leads to your own truth, we commit our heart to God and we say, God, I'm yours and I will follow where you lead me. Proverbs chapter 3 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I want to go this way, but God, you're calling me this way. I'm going to follow your way. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. So when we talk about all of your ways, right, we can, we can begin to insert all of our life right in there. What are you doing today? What's your challenge today? Where are you struggling today? all of our ways, we can commit to him and he will lead us and he will direct us. He will never leave us alone. He will always guide us. The call to trust in the Lord is a call to alignment. 
my desires, my purpose in life, who I am, and what I am called to do is in alignment with God's will and His purpose for my life. It just says, I'm going to follow you. Sometimes my heart wants to go this direction, but I'm going to follow you. My life will be lived in alignment with who you are, and I pray that people see that in me. This is how we must stand as individual followers of Jesus, how we must stand as a faith community, are you ready, that believes in the Bible, that believes in the Bible, yet many today are stepping away from biblical truth and following their own path or what we've just talked about, heart. According to Barna Trends 2018, I, I think the percentages are even higher today. Truth is increasingly regarded as something felt or relative, like 44%, rather than something known as absolute, 35%. So it's more as how I feel. And this in view of a biblical warning from Colossians chapter 2, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Don't let anybody capture you with that. Stay grounded in the Word and in the truth of the Word. Be people of the Bible. It concerns me not just how many individuals are going that way, but it concerns me how many churches are doing the same. Elisa Childers, and some of you are readers of her, shares five signs of what may look like a progressive church. And it's hard to pin down, admittedly so, a progressive church or progressive Christianity. It often includes a revisionist or non-traditional view of Scripture, and you're going to see that below. And I'm careful not to paint with too, too wide of a brush, but I think she has something. And it's what we have to guard against as we become and live out this DNA, this Jesus DNA, that we are people of the Word, we are people of the Bible, and we are a church of the Word, and we are a church of the Bible. She says there are five signs. Look for them. Number one, there is a lowered view of the Bible. Personal belief is emphasized over biblical mandate. That's what we were just talking about a few minutes ago, but I really don't feel that way. Or I don't believe that way. Comments that you might hear, the Bible is a human book, or the Bible contains the Word of God. Have you heard that? Anytime you hear that, you better run. I, I would say, if you, you will never hear that from here. But if you did hear that from here, you better do something. I don't know really what the something is, but you better do something. The Bible doesn't contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Number two, feelings are emphasized over facts. Personal experiences and feelings tend to be valued above objective truth. This is how I feel. Well, what does the Bible say? Well, I feel this way. The Bible ceases to be viewed as God's definitive word. What the person feels to be true becomes the ultimate authority. So you feel this way and I feel this way. and It becomes the ultimate authority, not the word of God. Comments you might hear is, I just can't believe Jesus would send good people to hell. And you'll hear that. By the way, and we don't have time today, but Jesus doesn't send people to hell. We'll talk about that later. Number three, essential Christian doctrines are open for reinterpretation. Some of these maybe you, you have read or you have understood. One progressive author wrote this, there are no sacred cows. 
Tradition, dogma, and doctrine are all fair game because all pass through the hands of flawed humanity. Progressive Christians are often open to redefining and reinterpreting the Bible on hot-button issues. Comments you might hear, the resurrection of Jesus doesn't have to be factual to speak truth. There are things in the Bible that are archaic and they need to be updated within a modern framework. Do you see the problem with that? Number four, just two more. We'll move on quickly. Historic terms are, are redefined like inspiration of the Bible and the concept of love. Comments that you might hear. The Bible is inspired in the same way and on the same level as many other Christian books and sermons. God wouldn't punish sinners. He is love. Those are things that you begin to hear. It's like me saying, hey, what I'm saying to you is inspired on the same level as the Bible. And you would respond to that by saying, you're, yeah, boo. Yeah, you're crazy. You would do something like that. But you're hearing that. And then finally, the heart of the gospel message, listen now, shifts from sin and redemption to social justice. The heart of the gospel message. The Bible talks about social justice. The Bible commands us to take care of the unfortunate and defend those who are oppressed. This is all part of living the Christian life. But it's an outflow of the gospel message that say, all have sinned, all fall short, all need a Savior, all need to trust and believe in Jesus. Now, why must the, why must the Bible be our guide? Personally and as a faith community, why? That's important for us to to understand, why are we talking about this on the first Sunday of the year? Number one, because it's God's written word to us and reveals his character, his will, and his plan for all of mankind. Simply put, God knows you and he knows me. He reveals his character and his will and his plan for you and for me. And he says, follow me. Follow me. You don't know what tomorrow holds, but you just follow me. It's God's written word. Number two, it's the inspired Word of God and therefore entirely trustworthy. His inspired Word, God breathed to you and to me. It instructs us how to love God and how to love our neighbor and how to love people of faith in the world. It teaches us how to be people of love. And so today, week one of this DNA series, what can you expect and be affirmed and reaffirmed this year and right on into till Jesus comes? We affirm the Bible as our guide in all of life, personally and as a faith community. This means that we will stand on biblical truth in all matters pertaining to all of life, regardless the cost. And we have to be people individually who, who affirm that statement right there. We have to be a church that affirms that statement right there. Regardless of the cost to us, we will not change our stand. We will not change our position. To that end, we will faithfully teach the Bible as best we can, as the written word of God, inspired and infallible, and we will do so with compassion to all, but with the conviction of the above. We will teach it to our children. It's happening right now. We will teach it to our students. It's happening right now. And we will teach it to our adults. How do we become people of the Word, people committed to the Bible? Well, we have to be consumers of the Word 
and consumers of the Bible. When I go through the Bible, and I'm, I started my through the Bible plan once again, um, actually in no, November, because I was a little bit ahead, there are things in the Bible that I don't understand. There are things in the Bible that get me going like, hmm, what's he really mean? There are things in the Bible I've, I've got to do a lot of reading. And I have to go to the commentaries and I have to study. I have to do, do all of that. I mean, there are those things, right? Our goal is to be consumers of the Word of God, and I've also experienced this. Happened when I was reading in the Psalms, and David says, the Lord God, God, He is a shield about me. And when I read that, something kind of clicked in in my spirit. I saw something I've, I've never seen before. And I read that passage, I don't know how many times. He's a shield about me. And I begin to think about a shield. And of course, here's David. He knew what he knew what a shield was. He was, a, he was a king. He was a warrior. Humanly, shields protect either what's in front of us or wherever we can move it to. Maybe we'll get there. Maybe we won't. That's what a shield does. And so when David describes God, who is a shield about me, he's saying nothing happens outside of the sovereign will of God. You might see it. You might not see it. It might be over here. It might be, might be behind you, but he is a shield about me. He protects us. He walks with us. He leads us, and he guides us in all of life, even when we don't understand. Nothing happens outside of his sovereign will. And if you're a Bible reader, and if I were to ask you, I know you would say this. There are times when you just go to the Word, and all of a sudden, something kind of lifts out of the Scripture that never had before. Have you experienced that? That's because the Bible is living and it's active. It's for you and for me. It's God's Word. Now, many of you are already Bible readers, but I have something here I want to give to you. And here's two QR codes. So I, I use, um, there they are up on the screen, and for online campus too and, and uh, tradition. So one is version, the app version. I use that. That's, that's where I'm at. And I know some of you use others. So if you're using some other Bible app, stay faithful to it. But for those of you who want a new Bible app, scan that version code right there. On, on the right is a Bible reading plan that I have started. It's through the Bible. It takes you through the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Psalms, and Proverbs, and takes about 15 minutes a day, something like that. I see some of you scanning it right now, so we'll leave it up there. Um, For those of you who, like, um, I don't do the digital thing, and that's okay, you know, in the the, um, lobby at the table, and for you traditions in the back room there, there is a paper reading guide. How about that? Huh? Yeah, then that's okay, and some of us, some of us, you know, that's what we, that's what we prefer. So I have a Bible reading guide, and that's what I'm, I'm going through. And I'm just inviting us into being people of the Word, Bible readers, and discover um, how the Word leads you and how the Word guides you in all of life. Amen. We're going to gather around the communion table this morning, and I trust you. Um, gathered your communion elements. The traditions are going to do your communion now. Um, they're, in, they're in the back. The truth, the truth of the Bible that we read is that God gave us life for you and for me. Now, I don't think that we can 
humanly kind of grapple with that necessarily, but he, but he did. He loved us that much that he gave his life for you and for me. And of course, we read that in the Bible. And he, he gave and he continues to give in all of life. The Bible says that his body was broken, that we might be made in, whole in, in every way. And so we're going to take that element in just a moment and we're going to pray together. His body was broken. We could be made whole physically and spiritually, emotionally, relationally, whatever need that we might have. And as we lift this up to him, let's pray that, that prayer. And then we're going to turn the cup over and we're going to, we're going to take the juice. It just represents his blood shed for you and for me that allows us into a brand new life. Are you grateful for that? The reality is, like Jason, you mentioned it earlier, like this, there'll be a day when our picture will be up on the screen, right? Yeah, hopefully not soon. But. Yeah, hopefully not soon, but who knows, right? And they'll be talking, talking about us. But the, the other side of that reality is we'll be with Jesus. That sounded better and better. That's better, yeah. So they'll be celebrating our, our home going. That's going to happen, right? I've had friends, um, perhaps you have, who recently have passed away. And so we're going we're gonna to pray and we're going to celebrate, amen, the truth of who Jesus is. So, Father, I thank you today that we can gather in this place um, in person and online and celebrate who you are. I pray, Father, that as we take this bread, you will bring healing to whatever need that we have. It might be a relational healing that we're in need of, physical healing, spiritual healing, financial healing, whatever it is, God, we just give it to you this morning. As we, we take the cup and as we sing together, um, will you just renew in our heart the hope of heaven, the hope of who you are, and will we passionately live that out in every part of our life as we seek to become people of the word. As we sing together, you just, whenever you feel led, you go ahead and take the elements and we'll, we, will, we will proclaim his death until he comes.
Oh, oh, oh.